In the summer, I'm spending some well-deserved time with my family and I'm taking a break from podcast recording. But I have dug out some of the most popular favorite episodes, some of my personal favorites to date from 2019 to listen to again. This week's throwback episode is with Lucy Walker, a Leaders Plus fellow, where we talk about how she became a non-executive director and how you can become one too. Welcome to the Big Career Small Children podcast. I'm Verena Hefti and I believe that absolutely no one should have to choose between becoming a CEO and enjoying their young children. For far too long, amazing people have found themselves stuck on the career ladder when they have children, which leads to gender inequality and the same stale, often male, middle-class people leading our organizations. I want us to change this together. In fact, I hope that many of you listening to this podcast right now will progress to the most senior leadership roles possible, where you make decisions that make our world a better place. Beyond the podcast, I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus, which is all about supporting parents to get to senior leadership roles through equal career progression. So welcome, Lucy, to the podcast. Uh, Why don't we start with you telling us about who you are, what you do at work and who is in your family? Sure. Well, thank you for having me on, Verena. It's a pleasure to be here. So I am um, mum to two boys, um, Toby and Freddie, who are four and two. And work-wise, I have set up my own business. I was in finance for more than a decade. And after I secured a couple of non-exec positions, was fortunate enough to be able to leave my corporate role in the summer. And so set up my company in October, AM Insights. Great. And for those of us who don't know, Can you just explain in plain terms what a non-executive director is? Yes. So a non-executive director is somebody that sits above the corporate level of the company. So, for example, in a a very large company, that would be the kind of executive team. So the chief executive or sometimes CEO, the COO, the CFO, that kind of whole team of people. In a smaller organization, it might just be, you know, the managing director or the founder. And so the non-executive director, the role of them is to basically advise and to ask the right questions. It's not to do, it's more to oversee and to ensure that things are heading in the right direction and to kind of identify things that perhaps the management team have missed. Mm. And you're basically the boss of the CEO. Effectively, yes, because you can, as the board, you can decide that, that a change is needed on the management team. So yes, yes, you are. Mm-hmm. And you work in that board. So I come from the charity sector or- originally and from the education sector. And I always, it really helped me to understand it by likening it to a trustee in a charity. That's exactly right. So I'm also a trustee of a charity and it is, it's literally the same. I mean, I'm a trustee for a much smaller charity. So the kind of engagement that I have with the charity is quite different to that that I have on the two NED roles that I have. But nonetheless, you're right, it's actually exactly the same. It's just they have a different term because obviously for the trustees, you're responsible for making sure that the charity is meeting its charitable objectives and that it's you know being run for the beneficiaries. Whereas obviously for a company, it's generally for the shareholders. So that I suppose that's the distinction in the names. Mm. So we probably should say the reason why you and I know each other is because you were on the Leaders Plus Fellowship and then we talked, I don't know how we got onto it, but we talked about your non-executive director career and then all the other fellows said, please, can we have Lucy run a session for us? And you ran the most brilliant session. 
and we thought we'd want to have you on the podcast. And yeah, I mean, how senior do you have to be to become a non-executive director? Do you have to have like a certain level of experience in your view to be able to apply to a non-executive director role? I think it entirely depends. So we, I would say that in general, you know, to, if we separate out sort of trustees and non-execs, ultimately it's probably fair to say that for trustees to become a trustee, you probably have to have, you don't have to have as much seniority as to become a non-executive director. So as we might come on to later, it's actually a brilliant stepping stone to become a non-executive director, to be a trustee first, not only because it's good for your CV and obviously good to, you know, to be contributing to something great, but also actually because you get to experience what it's like being in the boardroom as such. I mean, it's much less formal than that in the trustee meetings that I have, but, you know, but it's the same kind of idea where you're operating in a kind of a more inverted commas of strategic way way than you might be used to in your normal job so in terms of seniority there's that split I think between kind of trustees and and non-execs but then there's also I think just probably the more obvious one which is if you're trying to become a non-exec of a FTSE 100 company then obviously you're going to need a serious amount of seniority probably to have been a CEO yourself you know probably to have had you know 20 how many years of experience so you know if you're starting out, then I don't think that you need to worry if you've not got loads of experience. It's actually less about kind of how many years you've got under your belt or what companies you've worked at. It's more about what value you can add. And if you're in a sector like, you know, law or finance, you know, those are the more sort of traditional ones that are known about, you know, in the non-exec role. But I think increasingly there's a need for people that know about digital and know about marketing and know about technology and cybersecurity. And there's kind of an increasing amount of areas which are less known ultimately by the people that do have those many more years of experience. So I think that is kind of interesting. It's open. I think it's opening up and it will open up, you know, the non-executive recruitment to I'd say kind of a less senior generation which is great and you have obviously got two kids you've also started your own business AM Insights a fund research platform and you're supporting charities on top of your day job what made you want to get involved in non-executive director roles to be honest with you, it is, and you're right, it's a bit of a juggle at the moment. There's, there's quite a lot going on, especially in, in the midst of COVID. But I think that when I first found out about it, I really thought that it was going to be a kind of 10 years down the line thing. I thought it was going to be, you know, when I was basically thinking I was done with my kind of corporate career, you know, step into the non-exec world and kind of move into what is sometimes coined like the portfolio career where you have a few and, you know, those kind of collectively give you, you know, a decent salary, but obviously for substantially less hours a month or, you know, a week or whatever. But in truth, the journey for me happened, you know, much, much quicker than I was anticipating. As I say, I've always been very involved in charities, kind of dating back to like school, even university. You know, when I joined HSBC, I, you know, was very involved there and set up the charity committee at Saracen and so it's really been I would say a I think that journey unbeknown to me kind of fast-tracked me through becoming an NED because I became a trustee and then effectively when I then kind of learned about the non-exec world and realized that actually being a trustee is a brilliant kind of first step that was you know oh brilliant I've kind of got that so I feel very fortunate that I'd that had been a kind of path that I was already on. And so that made things easier. And I should also say that I am in the fortunate position for 
So the two non-execs that I'm on, the two non-executive directorships that I have are both for something called investment trusts, which are very specific to the area that I worked in. So I want to kind of uh, flag that, you know, that was definitely kind of a stepping stone for me because actually the first one that I got, I was actually approached about. So I didn't actually apply. I applied to, you know, a few before that. And that was the first one that I got because they actually came to me. But when I then gave them my CV and it kind of went beyond that, you know, I said to my husband, oh, you know, well, I suppose, you know, they approached me. So that was that. And he said, well, no, you know, you, they approached you, but then actually you provided them a board CV that showed that you understand what they want, which is actually, as we might come on to later, you know, the board CV looks quite different to your traditional corporate CV. And so you were able to provide them that you had the experience on there because you got your trusteeships and stuff like that. And so actually, yes, yes, you were approached, but there wasn't a done deal at that point. And it was quite enlightening to hear him say that think oh yeah actually you're right I did my actions you know I should put more on my actions that actually led to that translating into an offer as opposed to just you know being approached that was nice so yeah I think it was a very long-winded answer but basically I think that journey of kind of becoming a trustee and then becoming a non-exec I was sort of already on it and so was very lucky and you know delighted obviously to kind of go on to that journey and then once I'd got one I then was approached I mean, to be honest with you, I've been approached about quite a few, but the important thing, I mean, you mentioned a minute ago about how much I'm, you know, how many different things I'm doing at the moment. I really want to make sure that I take on the right thing. Because I think another thing that's really important is that you don't take on, I remember right at the beginning when I was looking at different roles, I was looking at things and I was thinking, oh yeah, maybe that would be all right. And actually, you know, looking back, thank goodness I didn't do it because it wouldn't have been the right fit for me at all. And so I think kind of when you first do it, you think, oh, I just want anything, but actually, they're quite big commitments, not necessarily in time, but definitely in kind of longevity because, you know, they have a minimum three year term typically and sometimes up to nine. So it's a big commitment. And I think, yeah, looking back, I'm relieved that I kind of took the path that I did and the ones, the two that I've now got. So I did go for a, a second one. I did accept to kind of be put forward for a second one. And I, I never thought I would get it in a million years. I remember saying to my husband, there's no way I'm going to get it, but it'd be a brilliant experience just to go for it because it was investment trust that was kind of 300 million it was you know it's quite it was not far off being I think in the FTSE 350 and I'd never thought I'd get it and I did you know which was just awesome and that's been the most fantastic board to be on there really great group of people so anyway you know I think it's just about yeah kind of managing the different areas and sort of knowing the journey that you're on and kind of going with it I guess. Mm -hmm. Really interesting and I'm sure there are people who have a similar experience to you who haven't been approached and you I think you were approached for your first role when you were still in a more traditional employment before you set up your own company are there one or two practical things that you did to increase that helped you to be approached like do you have an awesome LinkedIn profile or, or what what's the magic is there magic I don't think that my LinkedIn profile is good enough but I think that does make a big difference so if, if you can make that awesome then that will definitely help. I think actually the number one thing that you can do is just to tell people that you're interested because being in a corporate job, you wouldn't traditionally be expected to want to take on a non-exec position over, you know, on top of that. And again, you know, I wasn't sure that my employer would want me to go for it, but they did. So that was great. So obviously that is one thing, but, you know, probably not worth speaking to your employer until you've got something that you can actually say. But of course, you want to kind of ask the employer early enough that you don't then let down the, the company if they then do offer it to you and you, you know, you have to then sort of turn it down. But I think 
talking to people, telling them, look, you know, I'm interested in this, you know, if you, and it's kind of, it's that classic thing, like, have you got any advice for me? And actually in just asking them that, you know, A, you might get some great advice, which is brilliant. But secondly, you also tell them that you want it. And actually, if they then hear about things, then actually that's kind of the best thing. It's like the more people you tell, the wider your network is. And, you know, and it's all the things that you've, you know, you mentioned, obviously, that I was on the Leaders Plus um, Fellowship last year. And, you know, it's all the things that you so brilliantly take us through about making sure that you've got, you know, people that are, you know, the sponsors and the mentors and all that stuff. And, and so, yeah, I think that's probably the number one thing. And actually the second thing I would say, which isn't specifically related to your question, which was about how do you get them to approach you? But I think is also really important. I learned so much from being a member of women on boards. So my employer didn't support that. They weren't like a corporate member themselves which I know quite a lot of corporations are so if you know if yours is then definitely make use of that but if it isn't for I think it's about 100 quid a year something like that it kind of it seems to change whenever I do it but I think it's around that level you get not only access to the adverts like the trustee and non-executive adverts but you also get to just access their kind of materials that they have online and admittedly when I first joined I think they must have expanded in membership because when I first joined, I got a, like a one-to-one CV workshop, which was, or a CV review, which was hugely helpful. I think they still do something around CV reviews. I'm not sure it's one-to-one anymore, but that I would say is, is hugely, hugely beneficial. Cause even if you get asked, you still need to fill that gap that, you know, my husband highlighted to me that I filled kind of without realizing, which is actually you've then got to be able to hand them something confidently and say, I want this. And I think the women on boards membership gives you that because they give you some examples of CVs that you can use and uh, or not use, but you know, that you can look as kind of case studies, various articles that I think you can only access as a member. And then you can then ring them up when you have an interview and say, can you give me some advice? And I've done that every time I've had an interview and that's been really helpful as well. So I would say, and you know, there may be other organizations out there and, and women on boards, I think they've rebranded to WOB to try not to be so women focused because actually they are just kind of getting you know people onto boards is kind of their motto you know increasing diversity in the boardroom so yeah definitely that would be even though it doesn't directly answer your question of being approached Mm. I think it's still really relevant definitely and I think it's just from an ethical perspective it's so important unfortunately there are so many organizations that are run by people that don't really represent the wider population and you know the fact that you are on FTSE 350 board and I think we just need so much more of that because surely the world would be a different place if we had more like I'm just so inspired by you having four-year-olds having a two-year-old and yet you're directing some sort of like really big investment basically where the money gets spent and I think that's yeah I really feel about that very passionately as you can hear so that's fantastic and we've um, had some good conversations with women on boards they're really really interesting and organizations that do extremely important work and so you've talked about that you need a different CV and obviously women on board can help with that. Is there anything like, you know, one or two practical tips about what would need to be in that CV or what you've changed on your CV? Yes. So I think the first thing is to actually start with a blank sheet of paper, almost not even look at your your normal CV because so to give you like the kind of the high level trying to remember what it looks like because I haven't looked at it for a few months but a kind of summary paragraph at the top which is really just highlighting again not I've worked at this company for this many years but 
what are the things you can add? What are those specific areas that you can do a really great job of guiding them through something, you know, whether it's, you know, financial transformation or digital transformation, you know, financial reporting, you know, corporate change, you know, whatever the thing is. And, you know, and I would say that when I first looked at this, it was a bit too jargony for me. I kind of struggled with it a little bit because it don't really work in those kind of those terms, but actually I've come to realize that, you know, to your point before, you know, the diversity is continues to be poor, you know, the numbers are improving for at least for gender, but continue to be, you know, subpar. And obviously for other, you know, forms of diversity, you know, really still very, very low levels. And I wonder whether, you know, the use of this kind of more jargony terms, you know, whether that will actually evolve as the diversity improves. But certainly I did feel that I had to kind of step into it like a zone that I was less comfortable with. But once you kind of realise actually those are the things that I can do, that's what you can kind of pull into your summary. And if you can say, you know, specifics, that's always great. Like if you can say, you know, I managed a team of, you know, 50 or I, you know, I dealt with, you know, X thousand million, whatever it is, like specifics, I think really help because what you've got to assume is that anybody reading this CV has no idea what company you work for, even potentially what industry you even work in. And so anything that you would traditionally think of as, you know, oh, I know that. And I know that, you know, they're not going to know that. So that's kind of why you put your corporate CV to one side. So on the CV, you have that kind of summary thing. You can then, what I have on mine is then like a few, you then pull out, like, I think I've got maybe six or eight, basically kind of one or two word bullet points kind of all stacked up together which basically say like if you're literally just skimming the cv those may be the like the six to eight words that you that you look at they're like the key skills so you know mine would be things like finance and you know whatever then the next section is not oh and i've worked at this company and this company it's any experience that you have on the board side of things so if you're a non-exec amazing put that first if you're a trustee great put that up there but if you don't have those things think more sort of laterally. So think about where you've had experience in committees. So for example, I'm a committee member of sports aid. So I'm not a trustee, but I sit on their audit and risk committee as an independent member. So I stuck that on there. So I was at the time of my first application, I was a trustee, but I also had that committee member. So I put that on there, but I also included some other things like committees at my company so I mentioned about you know helping set up the charity committee so I, I was I put that on there and then I even put on some things in my more kind of executive side of my role which was you know I was a committee member you know I was on the investment policy committee or the investment other committees like that so putting those on there and I would say number one tip which is probably the same you would hear if you were talking to somebody about your executive CV anyway just short and sweet so you know limit the number of words you know if you have too many bullet points they probably won't get read if you have a paragraph of words but apart from at the beginning because I think that's quite standard for board CVs to have that apart from that don't have paragraphs of text everywhere else and then for the when you have the executive bit if you're not working for a kind of FTSE 100 company then just have like a summary or a sentence just of what that company does so that when they see you know it was x company they have some context for, okay, it's a company that's this big or, you know, has this many offices or whatever. And kind of that's, I suppose, ended up being a few more than a couple of tips, but that's kind of broadly the structure. And then, I mean, I don't bother having it references at the end, but that's basically it. I think maybe I have like qualifications or something, but, but yeah, that's basically it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And I think it's really worthwhile on your LinkedIn profile also to mention that you are looking for non-executive 
director roles just because then you're more likely to be found just the algorithm allows headhunters to find you and the other thing that i do think it's important to mention is money because we often you know obviously we know there's a massive gender pay gap and you know i'm very passionate about equality and all that so trustee roles tend to be charitable as in it's your contribution to society you're not getting paid but for your first non-executive director role can you share i don't want you not obviously necessarily to share what you get paid but what's a ballpark picture of someone who maybe doesn't have experience and is on their first small company non-executive director board what could they expect reasonably so when i did the workshop that you mentioned for the other fellows i looked at kind of what the typical numbers are and as you say anything charity related is always going to be zero although I think some do pay expenses if you know you're having to travel and things like that so for the paid side of things so one thing we haven't talked about is there's charitable there's company but then there's also public sector so you've got NHS trusts you've got you know government kind of quasi-government you know whether it's HMRC or you know like a lot I mean there are hundreds of different things that you you know you can be a part of those are as I understand it, because I looked at some of those when I was sort of my, you know, on the earlier stages of learning about it all, because basically I thought at that point those would be easier to get. And I think that is true. But my understanding is that they have a very big time commitment. A lady who I met actually through women on boards, she was on an NHS trust. And it, as I understand, it, it was a hugely time intensive role. So I'm not 100% sure that taking on a public depending, of course, on what the role is, taking on a public sector role could potentially be more challenging if you're doing it on top of a full-time role. Those are paid, obviously, again, it's dependent on kind of the time commitment, etc. But those, you know, you could have one that was like, you know, five grand and one that was 30 grand. I mean, if you're the, you know, the governor of the Bank of England, which obviously is, does fit part of that, you know, clearly be a lot more than that. But the public sector ones, I think, in main are less well paid, which, you know, I guess we would expect. On the corporate side, I think, so you get some which are like real startups, and you, you do see those on women on boards. And actually, another good ad, you know, company is New Role, N-U-R-O-L-E. You do have to kind of prove that you're basically worthy I suppose of having a place on the platform but I don't know how flexible they are on that but definitely they have some quite interesting roles on there I've not applied to any through it but it looks like a good platform and then the other one that's quite good is dynamic boards which is they're all paid positions but it's a free listings board so that's nice because that's obviously trying to tackle the kind of you know the, the gender pay gap slash equality diversity you know issues that we know well of and just actually while I think of it the other organization that's probably because you probably just going back to a previous question about the how to get a role and I talked about you know tell your network that you're looking yeah, the other thing, of course, you can do is actually just tell headhunters that you're looking, which is, you know, a bit more of a ballsy way of doing it. But, you know, why not? You know, you kind of have to show that you're different to the others. And one recruitment company that I came across, I've actually not interacted with them, but I saw them speak at a Women on Boards event. So, again, another thing they do is they do events on different sectors and then they get always one headhunter to come and then one, you know, well, potentially multiple people to speak on it. So first flight recruitment is a non-executive recruitment agency that focuses on 
first time non-exec so that's another quite good one so it went a bit of a tangent there but just uh, while I was thinking of it mm, it's fascinating I think the other thing I'm interested I remembered what you were going to say sorry it was about money wasn't it mm. so I said that startups mm. so sorry to interrupt but so startups might even be free you know but basically it's kind of about you know getting equity often so like um, in a startup it might be that you get equity but you don't get any pay you know, those potentially can be quite challenging you know quite a lot of time commitment I've not looked at any of those I would say in the more kind of traditional non-exec space you're looking at sort of between maybe 10 grand but then up to maybe you know 100 if you're talking about like a FTSE 100 board position you know mine is absolutely nowhere near that much near the other end but you know given that you're kind of typically doing maybe like a day a month depending you know it's obviously compared to kind of corporate life it you know it works out quite nicely. Mm -hmm. And what do you love most what does it give to you on a personal level? So on the charity side, if we can include that, I just I love being able to be a part of helping on the the Keen London is the charity I'm a I'm trustee of giving the beneficiaries who are kids with disabilities in London, giving them kind of access to sports and games, which they wouldn't ordinarily get. And, and obviously right now in COVID, we're doing all sorts of things online. And it's just it's such a privilege to be a part of it. And, you know, the team do such amazing work and, you know, to be able to support them in that. And to kind of help to steer the direction is really, I learned something in every board meeting. And actually, the, one of the nice things actually about being a trustee, you know, I've always been in kind of finance and very corporate. And I really love that as a trustee, actually only a couple of us sort of super corporate and actually, you know, hopefully I'm not super corporate, but like coming from that background. And then actually the rest are coming from, you know, from the charity sector or just from different areas, which are less traditionally less corporate. And I really like the diversity actually of those different kind of perspectives and mindsets. So that's really nice. And then on the non-exec side. So I think it comes back to what I said earlier about only taking on the things that you really enjoy or that you're really passionate about, because if you don't do that, it can quickly become, you know, very tiresome when you're having to, because, you know, I had a board meeting on Monday and I've got another one next week. They tend to happen quarterly and you know, it's a three hour meeting, which obviously right now is on Zoom. And it probably takes me two to three hours to prepare, you know, to go through, it was 150 pages of papers before. It's not no work, right? It's there is something to do there. And so it's, you know, it's only because I've taken on two that I really do think a great investment trust that I'm, you know, that I'm kind of happy and actually interested by many of like, actually the most recent board meeting, this was for the new one that I joined in September. It was actually a really brilliant board meeting it was probably the best one I've ever done just really enjoyed it there were a few different people that presented and you know because I've left my corporate job I'm not so much in the world of kind of you know being on Bloomberg every day and kind of as in on the Bloomberg terminal as opposed to being on Bloomberg the tv channel yeah and so I think just having that again it's I think it's just about that diversity like meeting different people and the board I think I mentioned this earlier the board that I've joined most recently you know in September I've only joined you know, a few months ago, and uh, and we get on incredibly well. We all come from really different areas. So actually, there is some similarity to the trustee world, although it's, we are all more corporate, obviously, yeah. as you as you would expect. But but they are just a really great group of people, and I really enjoy the conversations. And there's a real there's just real respect of each other's opinions and really listening. And it's actually taught. I would say I've I always talk a bit too much and probably don't listen enough. And I. I'm always trying to do better at that. And I think that that board has really helped me do that because I've seen 
they've kind of you know that because they've done it it's sort of helped me to watch and be like okay yeah that's I need to do more of that you know so it's it, yeah I think it's just interacting with different people different backgrounds different skill sets and kind of all coming together to a like a common goal of you know in the case of the investment trust to make sure that the investment trust is going to give the returns to shareholders that they're expecting mm-hmm. interesting and I think there's also something really valuable just for your own career and for your employer because you're going to get exposed whether you're on a charity board or on a corporate board or public sector board you're going to get exposed to different ways of doing things and that will make you a better employee no doubt and actually just the diversity of increasing the diversification of your network making sure that you have access to new ideas all that is going to help you so it's definitely like you said it's definitely worth having a conversation with your employer and actually getting them to allow you to take time especially when you're doing it as charity unpaid getting them to support you to take out that time I think is really really crucial I was a chair of trustees at Citizens Advice and I've learned so much it's been so valuable for me and I've learned things I didn't expect which will stay with me for the rest of my life no doubt and it's very rewarding as well to be able to make an impact to people in my case here in my local community so if someone is listening to this and thinks yes this sounds great but I have no idea where to start and they want to just spend 10 minutes this week to do two things to get them started on their board journey what would you advise they should put on their 10 minutes to-do list so i would say definitely go to the women on boards website even if you don't sign up you can access some things for free on there and i think you can kind of scroll down maybe a jobs list if you can't scroll down the jobs list maybe go to that dynamic boards one because that's definitely free to all and just read about the different types of roles that are available. So, you know, from the kind of trustee side, right through to the kind of the, obviously the more, more FTSE roles at the other end and just have a look on something like dynamic boards at the type of roles that are out there and just, I suppose, match up kind of what your interests are with, you know, what's available. So if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? Sure. So I mentioned that I set up my own, company am insights and that product from research platform the product will be launching in the middle of the year so the website's already live so you could contact me via there which is aminsights.com alternatively i'm on linkedin i probably do need to do something to my linkedin profile you reminded me of that earlier on in the podcast and yeah that's just slash lucy h walker so yeah feel free if i can help i, I will fantastic Thank you very much. And thank you for sharing all your knowledge and insights so openly. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. And thank you especially to everyone who's connected recently with me on LinkedIn. It's been so surprising how many of you have reached out. And I really, really love getting your messages. And I always accept your connection requests. And I love all your suggestions on where to take the show next. It's obviously a really hard work thing. It might not sound like it, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes to put out the podcast. And hearing that makes a difference to real life people is just really, really lovely. So thank you for that. If you've liked the podcast and if you like those themes we talk about and you actually want to connect with some real life people around them, then you should definitely consider applying to the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme, which is a high impact programme supporting you to progress your career with little ones in tow. There is one programme left starting in 2023. Applications for that one close on the 31st of October 2023 and the details 
or on the website leadersplus.org.uk. You can also find info on some of our free events on there. And we always do have hardship fund spaces available. On the fellowship, you get access to really inspirational role models who have been there, done that, with bringing up kids whilst progressing your career. You get support with practical challenges, for example, workload management or saying no. You get really important time for yourself to think about what you want in your career, what you want for your family and how to make it happen together with a group of very, very supportive and very amazing peers and some very experienced facilitators as well. So if you want to look at it, then leaderspass.org.uk is the place to go. In our last cohort, more than half have got promoted or got additional senior responsibility by the end of the programme. And they're all involved in some shape or form in driving change for working parents. And I should say the satisfaction with work-life balance have gone up significantly as well. I think it's more than doubled compared to the starting point of the programme. So I'm really pleased with that. Big thank you for all your support and especially also to all of those who've left reviews for the podcast. It is such a helpful thing and I'm extremely grateful for all of you who've done that or who've shared this episode with a friend that could benefit from it. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your week.